0: MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
1: The Legacy KCAA 1050 AM and Express 106.5 FM.
2: Welcome to Building Solid Foundations Radio. I'm your host, Steve Matley. We're on KCAA Radio, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM. Catches on your favorite podcast platform, iHeart, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, and others. Today, we have a special guest in the studio, Momo Savovic. He is a civil engineering background, infrastructure construction manager, and he's going to talk to us today about a new initiative he has for the Inland Empire. Momo, welcome to Building Solid Foundations.
3: Thank you very much, Stephen. Thanks for inviting me.
2: So today what we wanna talk about is, you have a new uh, initiative on your plate that you're starting. It's IEWA, the Inland Empire Water Association. Can you tell us uh, what that is and why you're starting that?
3: Yeah, uh, Inland Empire Water Association is uh, going to be centered in Temecula, nice Temecula Valley. Uh, uh, surrounding communities do have similar associations like Orange County and San Diego and we thought well Inland Empire is up and coming and Temecula seemed like a logical choice so uh, the group that uh, I belong to had like a team meeting and we kind of uh, realized that uh, Temecula is up and coming there is a lot of infrastructure work that is scheduled to be uh, delivered and we thought that uh, a bustling community like Temecula do deserve association like that and uh, with my experience being uh, president of construction management association and being associated with our uh, successful uh, endeavors like that I figured if I invest my experience and if I uh, kind of talk to people that are like-minded like you are and people that want to support cause uh, we may give it a try. So we had initial meeting with uh, our, uh, our temporary board, and we agreed to move on and have a first voting meeting
2: end of February. Now, is this a nonprofit, like a 501c3 that you're forming?
3: That is correct, and we are planning to uh, generate some uh, uh, money in the process, but all of it will dedicate it to a good cause and will uh, slate it f- uh, for the students and charities of choice.
2: Okay, and and what's the um, you mentioned Temecula? What is the uh, the boundaries? What what cities and communities are included in this area?
3: Yeah, all well, Inland Empire would stretch all the way up to uh, Coachella Valley cities. Cities in the valley, it would include uh, Temecula, of course, and surrounding of uh, water agencies and it would go up to high desert including uh, um, Riverside and Ontario. So those are major
2: centers and everything that goes in between uh, would hopefully join and support the cause. Okay, and, and what what type of members are part of this association? Who would be the people that would, that would be uh, members of the association?
3: Yeah, well, uh, we would uh, target people like uh, uh, water districts and uh, cities and uh, then we would reach out to people in consulting communities and people in construction business like contractors. And usually uh, we solicit some assistance from people in legal uh, kind of field and then people in, in businesses. So it is kind of a wide variety of people that, would, uh, that we are targeting to join this association.
2: Okay, and and the end goal of the association, what's the desired outcome? Uh, desired outcome is to uh, spread the word about
3: uh, appropriate management of what is called CIP or capital improvement programs in in in, in this area, uh, to reach out to general public and educate and explain uh, what is the benefit of improving infrastructure and what would be. Uh, the outcomes of uh, investing in, in improvement, uh, reaching out to uh, youth, college based, uh, or uh, high schools and the uh, and like, and spread the word and uh, try to uh, connect and explain uh, uh, what is the driving force in development in the Valley, which is. Water you know, and water is uh, outlining uh, outlining our efforts here,
2: okay, so now now water is um, we, all, we, all, we know water from we get the bill every month from whoever our local water agency is, it could be municipal, it could be uh, private, it could be a separate agency, so we get that, but ultimately the state has a lot of control over that as well uh, up in Sacramento um, when when we look at this how how can associations like this help manage Help manage the water usage and uh, the water infrastructure I mean because we have all these different agencies and groups that seem to already own all the water, but they may be disconnected so so how do we how does this group help um, help manage that resource well
3: uh i'm I'm not sure if our reach can go that far at least not at the beginning, but uh I think you made a good point, considering that uh infrastructure bill has been signed in November last year and it is the largest bill ever mm-hmm. and it will affect uh, water business at what we do and it will uh, trickle in uh, through uh, of course uh, Sacramento and, and that's where you're right. Now uh, how does that affect uh, us here in Temecula Valley? Well we have to kind of uh, connect people that can kind of share that information and kind of get educated as a group. And uh, this is the best way to do that. If we go to one place at the same time and discuss, we will learn more, you know. This is very complex subject matter. I don't claim to be expert in uh, this uh, mountain of funding that is coming at us, but I know that uh, I know some people that could talk very intelligently and enlighten me and in the process help everybody else understand where the process is headed. To answer your question is there is, uh, uh, there is eastern municipal water district that is i think the third largest or maybe between uh three or uh, probably the third or fifth largest in 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 california
2: and that is yeah. mwd is probably your biggest I'm mwd guessing.
3: would be in la you know but uh, you have also coachella valley sizable right uh clients so our idea our idea is if we get those people together and if we have people that understand finances uh, participating in same events. Uh, we will kind of have breakaway sessions with the group and they will talk and, you know, in that synergy, we expect that uh, uh, business is going to flourish, you know. That's how business moves. And it, we would we would want to help to promote that kind of uh, go-by or template, which is, and, and it is successfully uh, running in Orange County, for instance, which is our big brother. But space-wise, we are much bigger, you know? Right. So I think there is, uh, there is opportunity to do that. We are in close contact with them. We are talking to their uh, legal team. They are helping us setting, his, uh, second, uh, setting this up. <clears throat> However, they are helping us understanding uh, which way to go to.
2: Okay. And, and again, there's a lot of water groups out there. And, and there's, sub, there's sub-districts to the big districts. Uh, like there's um, there 's a i think it's a Temecula valley water district, which is a sub district I think to was it Western? It's, there's there 's districts and sub districts out there, and they do different things and it 's a very it 's a very complicated thing and in california Southern California, water is an enormous issue huge huge issue uh, for people that live here a few years back when we had a drought the then Governor Brown kind of turned the taps off on us because there was no we were short on water. There was a drought and there wasn't enough to go around. And that severely impacted the economy uh, for a lot of uh, micro-economies and different businesses, agriculture, um, the hospitality, hotels, all suddenly under these restrictions of limited water and really um, punitive rates if you went over that because there just wasn't water to go around. So do you, do you see this new agency as helping to alleviate some of that or helping to maybe avoid getting into those situations by helping to better manage the resource? And
3: I believe you made a great point because drought and water is uh, probably on everybody's mind. We do remember a couple of years back when we couldn't use water in certain times and whatnot. I think uh, this uh, region evolved from that point with San Diego moving to kind of being self-sufficient more than uh, the most, and with uh, uh, with cities and uh, districts within Inland Empire trying to follow the suit. So what is going on is we are trying to be as self-sufficient as we could in this region by providing provisions that would uh, reduce risk of, uh, of being kind of uh, drawn into drought. Drought conditions. So what that means is uh, uh, the funds could be diverted into projects that are providing self-sufficiencies rather than relying on sources that are either Colorado or state water. And that is where uh, this region is headed to. So projects like this all project in Carlsbad and several other offspring projects throughout the state are headed that direction. So for now it seems like Water costs are shooting through the roof, but there is always price to pay for independence, you know. And uh, if we had it that way, that price is probably going to come down and be more reasonable. So to answer your question is, yes, it is all related to uh, being self-sufficient, avoiding pitfalls and you know having to go through pain of, of being uh, uh, addressing drought the way we all don't want to and being prepared for emergencies like that and as i said it all connects with uh, a huge push to uh, kind of improve our infrastructure and water is on top of it
2: yeah and exactly as i said in southern california water is always top of mind it is a huge thing and it's not just southern california you know anywhere in the southwest arizona utah southern nevada new mexico water's always always a problem because there's not a lot of it naturally here we live in a very dry climate and the dry climate restricts the amount of water available, but at the same time, it invites a lot of people to come in because the weather's fantastic. Um, we, we have mild winters. We, we don't have and The mild winters that people come here for means there's no snow melt, so we don't get the water from that like most of the rest of the country does, and we don't have constant rains like the southeast does in a lot of the country, so water's a huge issue. Uh, we're going to uh, pick this conversation up on the other side of a break. We've got we to take a short break here. Uh, This is Building Solid Foundations Radio. We're talking to Momo Zavovic, and we're talking about the um, new Inland Empire Water Association. We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere.
4: Fire Up Connect is the most innovative business networking group. Supporting and collaborating with a dozen of small businesses that are interested in building and establishing strong business connections hosting educational live seminars while carrying out business and community driven projects as well as marketing programs as a part of its membership program FireUp Connect also offers virtual assistance with a wide range of services including inbound customer support, chat support, appointment setting and email management, graphic designing video editing, web design and development, social media marketing, e-commerce solution, content writing and much more. For more information head on over to www.fireupconnect.com. Fireup Connect, helping success stories unfold every day.
2: Hi, this is Steve Matley. As a construction professional, I know the importance of selecting the right contractor for the job. Power Solar employs only professional installers. Power Solar will provide a knowledgeable consultant to help analyze your current electric bill, identify site placement, and correct solar technology for your home. Contact KCAA Producer at gmail.com for a free financial savings proposal with no obligation, or call 951-551-1350 and ask for Ken. Again, that's KCAA Producer at gmail.com or 951-551. 1350 and ask for Kim. Hello and welcome back to Building Solid Foundations Radio. This is Steve Matley. Today, my guest is Momo Zavovic, and we're talking about the Inland Empire Water Association, a new initiative designed for the Temecula Valley area of Riverside County and uh, beyond that into uh, upper areas of Riverside County and even into San Bernardino County. Uh, Momo, um, I wanted to to ask you, you mentioned several times about creating self-reliance on water for the area. Where does the water come from for that area? Where are we getting it? Uh,
3: Yeah, well, thanks, Steve, yeah, it's, it's great question. So uh, naturally water is Uh, either coming from Colorado River, from uh, up north, uh, uh, Bay Area. Those are two sources. And we have groundwater source. So those are three sources that we are tapping into. Uh, Recently uh, in this uh, region, we started looking into ocean. Just think about the ocean and resource that's stuck in there. So there is technology that could help us defy and uh, use that uh, huge reservoir of water. And uh, I would say like five or about five years ago, uh, San Diego County and city of San Diego uh, constructed a uh, large desal in Carlsbad. And that is a marquee project that may probably lead into a uh, new generation or new way of thinking about resolving
2: this issue around here. Okay. And how, how much how much water can that plant produce?
3: It is uh, designed and uh, constructed to produce 50 million gallons per day, and I believe it is very close to design point where it's operated right
2: now. Okay, and then how, how many households is that going to serve?
3: Uh, well, I may, uh, I may miss the, uh, the mark here, but it, it, it is going to uh, serve a big part of North County okay. in San Diego. That includes where we are at in the city of Vista, San Marcos, Carlsbad, and, and surrounding cities up to Escondido.
2: Okay, so now for the area you're in, Temecula Valley, um, is a desalination plant viable considering they're inland? They're separated from the ocean by a mountain range. So would they be pulling water from a coastal desalination plant in Orange County or San Diego County? Or, or would they have to try to get land and build one and pipe the water out there? How, how, could, they, how could they take advantage?
3: Yeah, well, nowadays what they have is what's called pure water program. Okay. And people inland are looking into ways to recycle water. You know, like when they send people. So out.
2: similar to the Miramar plant.
3: It's similar to Miramar plant.
2: Yes. Okay. So yeah. People don't know that aren't, aren't familiar. Miramar, there's a large water recycling plant uh, close to where the uh, Marine Base is out there, and they pull water in. Now the water coming out is generally not drinking water. It's used for irrigation. But a lot of water is needed for irrigation. If you can use that water then the freshwater can be used for tap water. So you're talking something similar to that.
3: Uh, well, uh, something very similar to that. And there are different processes that could kind of address issue and tailor it to needs. So there is a similar program going on right now uh, in uh, with Eastern Municipal Water District. And there are some, some other districts like uh, Padre Dam and Oceanside. And they have similar program that is looking into uh, slight modification. What is just pulling water from the ocean? What that you know there there was a program uh, tap to poop, which was not popular at the time.
2: Yeah, the toilet to tap is what yeah. they called it. Yes, <laughs> and and the ir- irony there is every drop of water that's coming out of your tap that you drink probably went through a toilet or a river that animals were in at some point in time because water just keeps being recycled around the planet, right? It's, yeah. it's like the same amount of water's been here, but it evaporates, condensates, it rains, it runs down a river, it goes into a ground well, whatever. And, and so nature has been filtering that out for millennia. And if humans can filter that out, it sounds disgusting when you think about it, but the truth is, it's no different than what nature's been doing forever. And I
3: mean, uh, technology is headed that direction. As I mentioned, people flying out, out of space are using that technology. Yes, and exactly, they're and they're and, living just fine. Yeah. And yeah. they're coming back. But I mean, yeah, it, uh, uh, it is important to reach out and talk to, uh, talk to public just like we do. And I, I drank that water, you know. I yeah. was at the plant when it was commissioned and, okay, I lost some hair, I guess, but I, <laughs> that's, not, that's not why. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, people do drink it. Uh, there is no evidence that there is anything wrong with it and it is treated to molecular levels. So that technology is really taking any impurity out of it. And then again, if it is used for potable water, there is a different layer of protection. So it's usually discharged to large reservoir, like natural reservoir that is source for water supply of region, like Miramar Lake, you know, you right. discharge it there. And then you put water treatment plant, so you treat it again. right? And then it's like fail safe, and there is so many belt and suspenders in
2: Yeah, and most people, uh, not everyone, but most people these days tend to drink filtered water anyways. We don't just drink out of the tap usually, uh, some do. Uh, when I was growing up we never thought anything of it. You put water under the tap, you drink out of the hose, We didn't seem to bother us. Now we want it bottled, we run it through the Brita, we have a three-part filtration system under the sink, we have a whole house system. Nobody really wants to drink the tap water anyways, which means the water coming through is probably going to get filtered even additionally right there at the tap. And
3: and uh, I am testament to what you just said. I'm drinking water that is our, our treated and the trick is that water is our treated equally like uh, ocean water or uh, this water from wastewater treatment plant effluent. You know, it's the same technology applied to different sources coming with the same outcomes. So so that is few things that are mm-hmm. on the table. I believe that uh, San Diego and this region is good example of how to tackle and resolve the issue. We are not the only ones. You know, there is Orange County That's also. Right. Yeah and there are other people that are doing the same but we are i believe we fully realize here in san diego how important it is we are planning to have associations like uh, this talking to people and spreading the word and getting events that uh, will popularize and allow people to ask and get reasonable explanation and i think this will help you know Um, everybody accept that uh, this is the way to go. You know, we have to worry about natural resources. We have to, you know, be proactive and try to preserve them as much
2: as we could. Yeah, and I think you mentioned education going into the schools, and I I see that as a vital part of what the Inland Empire Water Association would do is help to educate the general public to change some of the um, prejudices and, and myths about water. And the idea that, you know, when when your neighbor flushes the toilet, it doesn't come straight up into your tap. There's a whole process that's going to and and that um honestly that water probably isn't any worse than what's coming out of the ocean anyways, if we're desalinating. The ocean water is not very clean. And I don't think I don't know what people think the fish are doing out there, but same thing we're doing, right? So it it's in there. It's already there. And and, and it's a matter of just changing the mindset. I and think. yeah, just keeping people informed.
3: I believe is the key, not forcing the issue but letting people making their own uh, educated decision at that, at that time because we would uh, explain and provide any explanation that uh, could help them come closer to uh, believing it or uh, enabling them to dig deeper and get any uh, any information that they may need to come uh, to support the good cause.
2: So how do people get involved with this? If someone wants to get involved with the Inland Empire Water Association? Uh,
3: yeah, do? well, yeah, by contacting me to start with. And how do they do that? Uh, well, there is an email address. It's my uh, first name and last name at att.net. So, so it's m o
2: m o m o m c i l o. Oh, the full name. Full name. m o m c i l o s a
3: V-O-V-I-C. Okay. So it's one word. Momosilio. 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 At A-T-T dot N-A-T.
2: Okay. And I'm sure that once you get the association up and running, there'll probably be a website that yes. they can contact. And, and so if you're looking for this, it's going to be the Inland Empire Water Association, um, based out of Temecula Valley, but serving a lot of Riverside, San Bernardino County, and in the inland area. So if you want to get involved, uh, maybe to help, um, the Inland Empire Water Association get to schools and do education, or um, maybe you want to help refer people in that can be um, uh, part, you know, participants in this. Perhaps you're a, somebody that uh, sits on a board, or know somebody that sits on a board of a water district, and you can contact them and get involved in this. Or maybe you're a developer, a builder, um, or municipal district that wants to uh, that. get some sort of connection.
3: And, uh, and reach out to community because we will facilitate that. And I think it is win-win, you know. Right. They will get something and they will get word out and they will have a vehicle that will allow them to talk to community and spread the word and explain what is going
2: on. Okay, and obviously um, if you're at agriculture, that's a, probably a very good um, stakeholder yes. to have involved in this as well. Now are you are you looking at uh using the association for um like public advocacy lobbying those type of el- um uh, elements Well
3: at this point we have several uh, uh ways to try to promote one would be uh we want to set annual golf event and uh, raise some funds and then support local schools uh with proceedings uh we also plan to have uh, at least quarterly meeting and invite owners agencies, cities, into uh, a place that is dedicated. Right now we are thinking about Karl Strauss just because it's across the street from my office there. Mm -hmm. But we'll see where, and we will advertise that on our webpage. And also we are trying to uh, circulate invite to uh, local owners and businesses and ask them to join. And it really depends on uh, uh, how aggressive our uh, promotion is and uh, depends on how successful we are in drawing people in. So we just don't know how is that going to work at this point because it is so young. and uh, But w- we have hopes that it will take some traction and uh, will become visible on the map and Oh, uh, sky the limit. We are in America, you
2: know. That's right. Fantastic. So, it's Inland Empire Water Association, uh, Momosavovic. If you want to get a hold of him, Celio Savovic at att.net. M o m o c i l o s a v o v i c at att.net. If you want to connect with him, if you're interested, and uh, learn about it, and pretty soon there'll be some information available up on a website. Uh, Momo, I want to thank you for being on Building Solid Foundations with me today. We're going to go to a break. And we will be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. I'm Steve Allen.
0: I love how New School is able to help me greatly with my career. Because they actually have experience
5: working in the field. The greatest thing about New School is the fact that there are so many different disciplines which allows you to really understand and get a good insight into different types of design. I think it's that whole changing mindset of what design can really do for a city, and this is kind of the place to be. This environment cultivates
6: creative thinking.
4: Fire Up Connect is the most innovative business networking group, supporting and collaborating with a dozen of small businesses that are interested in building and establishing strong business connections, hosting educational live seminars while carrying out business and community driven projects, as well as marketing programs as a part of its membership program. FireUp Connect also offers virtual assistance with a wide range of services including inbound customer support, chat support, appointment setting and email management, graphic designing, video editing, web design and development, social media marketing, e-commerce solution, content writing, and much more. For more information, head on over to www.fireupconnect.com. Fire Up Connect, helping success stories unfold every day.
2: Hi, this is Steve Matley. As a construction professional, I know the importance of selecting the right contractor for the job. Power Solar employs only professional installers. Power Solar will provide a knowledgeable consultant to help analyze your current electric bill, identify site placement, and correct solar technology for your home. Contact KCAA producer at gmail.com for a free financial savings proposal with no obligation, or call 951 551 1350 and ask for Ken. Again, that's kcaaproducer at gmail.com or 951-551-1350 and ask for Ken. Welcome back to Building Solid Foundations Radio. I'm your host, Steve Matley. In the studio now with me today, I have Dennis Selke. Dennis Selke is a cohort of mine at a college in San Diego, New School of Architecture and Design. That's where I met him. He has a fascinating background in history, and I could read through his whole thing, but I kind of want to talk to him with you about that journey. The main reason I wanted Dennis on is because he's got a, a very interesting story of how he got to where he is now and what that journey looks like. And I find it fascinating because so much of it was a late-life transition, and I, find, I always find those kind of things very fascinating. So, Dennis, welcome to Building Solid Foundations.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
2: It's always good to talk to you. I, I we, we, we talk even at school sometimes, we just enjoy the conversation. So that's why one reason I wanted to have you on. So um, I met you when uh, you came to work at the school as an instructor, but you had graduated already from a graduate degree in architecture. Okay, so the typical student that starts on their journey to become a licensed architect is probably, what age would you say? Probably 20 years old. 20 years old or so, yeah. yeah. Somewhere in that 18 to 22 time slot, right? Yeah. And they start their journey. And you did that. So so tell us first about how you started on the journey and, and what happened there.
1: Yes. I first started on the journey uh, working as a draftsman in the late 70s. Okay. And uh, when it became time to go to college, then I started school. Uh, at first in computer science, of all things, but then after a year, Went and became a carpenter.
2: Now, did they call it data processing back then?
1: DP? They called it data processing then. And it yes. was COBOL and Fortran. My, my dad
2: ran the data processing department for a junior college.
1: Oh, yeah. it's exciting. Yeah, And, you know, then. Punch uh, cards. Yeah, punch cards and uh, mainframes. Yes. They right. had to have their own cooling systems for, and they put, for and the computer. And they
2: put them up with the shop classes
1: because they were noisy. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yep. And then so. I started architecture school originally in 1980, which put me at 20 years old. And I uh, went for five years and almost graduated.
2: And just so people know, uh, architecture is a five-year program. It's it's a five-year because you do the four-year typical undergraduate and then you have a fifth year that's a thesis year.
1: Yes, mini thesis. yeah. And uh, well, at that point I met my wife and uh, decided to move to California. Okay, for the opportunities in architecture
2: and how close were you to finishing your degree at that point
1: I was missing one class
2: one class yeah okay.
1: I had uh, I had actually taken the final studio class and failed it and it was a uh, in-person school so there was no online option in 1985 online
2: hadn't been invented yet it
1: wasn't invented
2: so yeah online were clothes drying if you couldn't afford a clothes dryer that's right <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, and um, so went through and worked for some really exciting architecture firms, CRSS uh, being one of them, and we worked on Cal State San Marcos, the master plan. So you were working as a draft person. Working yeah. as a draft person then.
2: And pencils and,
1: and triangles and all that stuff? Yes, and computers at CRS.
2: Because so, computers were beginning to be used yep. now.
1: Yep. And uh, got to design the initial facility that my daughter actually... Graduated with her master's from that college, so it's a, it's a pretty strange career. And so when she was born, I decided to join in with my wife in her accounting firm, and so I brought the financial planning aspect into
2: the accounting firm. So you moved from drafting to financial planning. Yeah. Okay.
1: And well, at that point, I had worked my way up to be CAD manager. Okay. So it was some drafting but mostly making standards and you know making sure that everybody's putting things on the right layers and and that kind of thing cad cops so, right. so to speak and uh so at at that point um so 20 years later um I decided that I really was not cut out for financial planning anymore um the business was uh, dwindling clients were retiring you know the business was becoming less and less profitable every year um, so the last five years were we're just kind of five of the same years in a row and really so you didn't satisfied. live five
2: years you lived the same year five years five times in a row yeah yes. yeah right yeah
1: <laughs> exactly so this is what made me decide to retire get rid of my practice
2: and go back to
1: new school for my master's
2: okay degree. so um, but you had to finish that bachelor's that you hadn't finished before, is that right? True, I did finish that. Okay, and so what point did you do that? Uh, I finished that in 2014. Okay, so you started, you had to start over from scratch? I or did you transfer went, credits over? Or? I went
1: back to my initial college, Lawrence Tech in Southfield, Michigan, and they had an online master's program at okay. that time. So I got accepted into that program and started working on it. But then they told me, it's going to be three more years before they could offer all the classes. Oh, I see. So at that point, if I had taken one more class, I would qualify for the bachelor's degree. Right. So I did that one class, got my bachelor's degree from Lawrence Tech, and okay. transferred into new school.
2: Okay. And, and so this is, you've, you've now, you left school, you, you raised, got married, you raised a family, had an entire career in between. Yes. And then went back to school. And went back to school. Right. And and did, was any of the previous schooling from 30 years before applicable? Did any of that count?
1: Uh, it did count towards my associate. Did? Okay. So, so they gave uh, you two years of credit for your five me, years of work. Yep. Yeah. yeah, they gave me two, two years of credit. And, uh, yeah, it didn't really count. And along the way, they actually... Had this funny little thing where uh, there was an extra class that I was required to take, which was a psychology class, but uh, the counselor told me it was a physics class. So apparently he was dyslexic or something like that.
2: Psychology and physics—so uh, similar letters, very, very different. P
1: S Y or P P Y yeah, S. Exactly. So, yeah, but they're <laughs> <so>. different disciplines. Yes. <laughs> you know. And I'd already taken the physics class, so I even told him, "Well, why would I have to take it again?" But this crazy hidden benefit of his mistake was I went back and took physics too at Miracosta College to try to fill that in. Okay. And I found out about quarks. And what's that? And that's another particle that they didn't teach us about in the physics class that I took the first time around in the eighties.
2: So that was that a a discovery that had happened in the decades in between?
1: Yes. And so that it's a weird, happy accident. I really didn't need to take that physics class, but I took the first half of it, and I found out a lot of weird, excellent information about physics that was discovered in the meantime.
2: <laughs> well, and that's what happens. That's why, you know, education gets old, because the world keeps moving on, and we yeah. discover new things, and we create new things, and innovate new things. And, you know, I, I think back to my education, and I'm pretty sure that, at least at least 50 percent of what I learned in my uh, formal education higher education probably is completely obsolete true yeah. yeah there's there's things that change all the time now some of it doesn't you know I, accounting has been accounting forever you know yeah um, basic management principles they change a little but overall it hasn't changed a lot for human history um, That's do we true. have we, we put new names on it and call it new theories but it's really all the same stuff it's how do you get someone to do things because you need them to do it and make that they wanted for, re, for the for them wanting to do it right. That's kind of what right. it is, right? Making people want to do it. People right. want to do it. That's right, yeah. because it's part of it helps them benefits them, right? That, right. that is what it is. Um, other things like technology are probably obsolete every few years.
1: If you're lucky, yeah. yeah, probably every year now. You know, yeah, everything is a subscription, so constantly changing. That's right, and, and I tools. think
2: science, you know, basics of science, you know, law of gravity been around a long time, but you say. The discoveries, uh, especially in areas of astronomy, yep. uh, um, you know, physics, mm-hmm. a lot and of smaller physics and stuff. smaller
1: particles that we didn't even
2: know yeah, um, existed. A lot of the biology that goes on is changing. So uh, that's fascinating. It's good yeah. to uh, to get updated and find out that you know it didn't just waste my time taking this class a second
1: time. And that was that made it worthwhile because you know not wasting my time it, when it was a waste of time really, but it wasn't a waste of time.
2: So so then you, you transferred over to a new school of architecture and design to take a graduate degree in architecture. Yes. Okay. Yep. And previously you had all but one class done in a, in a terminal architecture degree that would have led to licensure. So now you're starting architecture. But, but when you do a master's degree, it's only two years. Correct. Because you've got your, you've got all your lower division stuff done. Yep. Through your bachelor's degree. So, you, so you're basically taking the last two years of architecture and then your thesis year. That's correct. Right. Yeah. Okay, and so so you start that, and, and uh, how old are you when you're doing this? Um, I finished my master's when I was 55. Okay, and so, and that's that's a lot of the story that I wanted to, you know, get out to listeners. I don't know how many times, I, I worked in three different colleges now, mm-hmm. and two of them were very heavily career-focused and had a lot of adult learners, and I don't know how many times I heard people say, you know, if I went back to school now, I'd be like 50 years old when I graduate, and I'd... Question I want to ask him is well how old would you be in 4 years if you didn't go back to school You probably still be, be that years same, right? old Exactly <laughs> if only you wouldn't have the degree right <laughs> That's right <laughs> And 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 we have this idea and I understand it's the it's the fish out of water problem It's the I'm going in and I'm I'm going to look like grandpa and all these young kids and I don't even know how to relate to them because they grew up in a different world than I did that's true yeah I
1: mean you know I was blessed that my daughter was their age so I did have some idea of what they were thinking about
2: yeah yeah but still you you grew up in a different era because even you know raising my daughters I there was a limit to how well I could relate to people their age because I grew up in an age where we didn't have microwave ovens and we didn't have VCRs and we didn't have an internet and we didn't have a phone that had everything in the world on it for you you actually had to let the phone ring and if you didn't answer it, you had no idea who it might have been. So you had to answer the phone if you want to know who if it was. If you really wanted to know. And yeah. if you were on the phone and someone else called, you weren't going to find out who was calling. Nope. So it was a different world back then. So I'm like, we're going to pick this conversation up on the other end of a break here. Uh, we've got to take a short break. So we're talking to Dennis Sulky, and we're, and we're talking about kind of the mid to late life transitions and what that looks like. Well, this is Building Solid Foundations Radio on KCAA. We'll be right back after this. <music>
0: I love how New School is able to help me greatly with my career because they actually have experience
5: working in the field. The greatest thing about New School is the fact that there are so many different disciplines which allows you to really understand and get a good insight into different types of design. I think it's that whole changing mindset of what design can really do for a city and this is kind of the place to be. This environment cultivates
6: creative thinking.
4: FireUp Connect is the most innovative business networking group, supporting and collaborating with a dozen of small businesses that are interested in building and establishing strong business connections, hosting educational live seminars while carrying out business and community-driven projects, as well as marketing programs as a part of its membership program. FireUp Connect also offers virtual assistance with a wide range of services including inbound customer support, chat support, appointment setting and email management, graphic designing video editing, web design and development, social media marketing, e-commerce solution, content writing and much more. For more information, head on over to www.fireupconnect.com. Fireup Up Connect, helping success stories unfold every day.
2: real estate with Steve Matley, construction manager and real estate developer, business owner and educator. Did you know that right now there's 22,000 units deficit. Tunde Ogunwale, real estate development professional, Naval Academy grad and veteran with a deep understanding of the public sector process. All of us want to live in thriving communities. Brian Fox, real
3: estate expert
7: and investor dedicated to helping hundreds of clients make money in real estate every
2: year. There's so much housing going in. The builders are begging for more land. Future company can come in, lease up space, to employ those people who are living in the homes. We have to put the housing in place we either have
4: to have houses. They want
2: to make sure that there's a strong employment logistics
8: center. Things like information hubs. We are a shipping economy now. There's
2: economies all over the country where their prices are doubling and tripling. Hi, this is Steve Matley. As a construction professional, I know the importance of selecting the right contractor for the job. Power Solar employs only professional installers. Power Solar will provide a knowledgeable consultant to help analyze your current electric bill, identify site placement, and correct solar technology for your home. Contact Producer at gmail.com for a free financial savings proposal with no obligation or call 951-551-1350 and ask for Ken. Again, that's Producer at gmail.com or 951 551 one three five zero, and ask for Ken. Welcome back to Building Solid Foundations. This is Steve Matley, your host. Today, we're talking to Dennis Sulky in the studio, and and Dennis has been sharing his journey of uh, going through life, uh, not quite completing school, and then having an entire career and a life, and going back to school thirty years later and starting over. And so before the break, we kind of left off. He was, he was going back to his graduate degree to get, finally get that architecture degree finished. So, so you came to new school and you started a three-year master's degree program. um, And you are probably a little older than the average age of most students in that program. Is that true? Oh, yes, I was. Quite okay. quite a bit, the oldest. Yeah. And now now was that did that cause any anxiety or uncomfortableness or was it just pretty seamless? Uh, for me, it was just being
1: extraordinarily tired at the end of the day and the amount of mental effort
2: put in as a um, senior individual yeah so so they have the the, the old um, saying you know you're a senior in college, but in this case you were actually a senior in college citizen' a citizen in college that's right okay, but but you you, you finish that up and you you graduated, yes, and you yeah. got through your thesis, everything's done. so you yes. finally how how many years later was it you completed that compared to your intended completion date? So, my
1: intended completion would have been 1985. Okay. And my actual completion
2: was 2016. 2016, yeah. Okay. 31 years. 31 years, yeah. Okay. So, um, what would you say to someone out there that has unfinished business, whether it's a degree program or a business startup or a project they were going to finish that? figures, it's been too long, it's just, there's no sense in this, or I'm too old now, what would you say to them? I would say that, you know, if you quit college, the statistics
1: say that you'll never go back, but the statistics are not immutable. If you have the uh, drive that you could go back, you can do it at
2: any age. Right, and the thing, so here's the thing with statistics. Statistics are based, you take all these samples, you, you plot them all out, and it creates this nice bell curve or whatever. And everybody focuses on that, what the average is. Well, oh, this is the average, this is the median, whatever it is. And so that must be the way it is. And they forget, well, that is only that way because there was some outliers. They just throw us out. And so yes. so you can be one of those outliers. That's you right. can be that one, two, three, four of those dots that are way out on the outside of that that distribution curve that did go back. Yes. And not only went back, but finished. And finished well, too. Right. So um, at this point, that doesn't make you a licensed architect. You have to take certain licensing exams, and architecture is one of those professions that has an extremely difficult professional licensing exam process. And you don't just go in and take a test. So what does the licensing look like?
1: Yes, it's it's a three-part process. First, you have to get the professional degree, and the next part of the process is 3,700 hours of professional experience, Documented with architecture employment.
2: Now all those years being a drafts person probably counted for a lot of that. They
1: counted for uh, yeah. They have yeah. a special program, the portfolio program for us seniors, and uh, I was able to enable that and use my old experience, which was thirty years old. Okay. And the so drafting sh- is drafting. Yeah. A- and also I had the other type of programming experience and other right. construction management experience. And an early adopter of CAD. And a very early adopter of CAD. Right. And uh, as a matter of fact, a digital native for with a TRS eighty when I was sixteen years old. Okay, but that's another side story. Uh, and uh, then also take the six national exams and one state exam.
2: Seven different exams. Seven different exams. And and what your progress so far?
1: My progress is I have two more uh, federal exams to go,
2: and I have one the one state exam. So to four go. four of. Four of the seven exams the seven. are done, okay. Yeah. And so, so you're getting really close to the actual finish line where you can call yourself a licensed architect. Yes,
1: and I have studied now for another one of my exams and I'm ready to schedule
2: that. So Great. as
1: soon as I can schedule it, I'll be scheduling.
2: Okay, and so if you were to lay odds, your probability of actually completing that and getting your license, what would you say that is right now? I'd say it's about 90% that I can get that done in a year. In a year, okay. Yeah. But probably 100% you're gonna get it done within. Two At some years. point. Yeah. 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 Before you die. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. And and that's a key thing because the 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 day that you pass that last exam and and you can call yourself officially an architect, what's that going to feel like?
1: That's going to feel like a forty year achievement.
2: That's right. going to be something huge. Huge thing. Okay. Lifetime goal. Lifetime goal. Yeah. And, and so, so if you're out there, you've got that stuff hanging out there. It's never too late. So I have taught in multiple schools. Now, I myself, I took a long way through education, too, and that was mostly financial. Well, some of it was academic. When I graduated high school, I was in, I was in the half of the class that makes the top half possible. So there wasn't a lot of colleges looking for me. So I went to community college, and I did okay there. Um, I, I found out that the more I had to pay to go to school, the better I did in school. Uh, funny how that works, right? That is funny. Yeah, the commitment level, right? Yep. And so then I transferred to a private uh, university, and I did I did pretty well there. I got good grades, and then I, I earned my cords, and then I, I and then I had a break, and then I went back and took my master's degree. But this wasn't all seamless. I had this process where I would pay for what I could pay. I'd go to school, and I'd do all the classes I could till I ran out of money, and when I ran out of money, I'd leave school. I'd go work two three jobs, just kill myself. Get caught up, get a little bit ahead, go pay for the next few classes, take the next few classes, and it took me over 15 years to finish up my master's degree doing it that way. But I did finish, and to the date, nobody's really asked how long it took me. Nobody how many, cared how many catalog changes. Yeah, did they you they know. didn't care. You yeah. know, they they just yeah. they just want to know I have the degree. That's it. Yeah. That's so so wherever you are out there, um, what we, what do you what do you say to somebody that? Um, that hasn't finished school Dennis what are, you, what are you going to tell them if they have that life goal in your case it wasn't just finishing school it was getting that license yes and
1: you know even though your life moves on if you really have the goal to go get your degree you can do it and we, there's so many options we have online options now yep. complete you don't have to leave home yeah.
2: for, for our, our master's degree at our college we, we have we have a master's online. degree at New School that's a one calendar year asynchronous online yeah. that you can do but we're going to have to wrap this conversation up uh, Dennis I want to thank you for being on the show always fascinating and I hope if you're out there it encourage you to get after whatever it is you need to get after and get your life goal done uh, I'm Steve Matley on Billy Solid Foundations Radio we're on KCAA at 1050 AM 102.3 FM 106.5 FM Catch us on your favorite podcast platform, iHeart, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, and others. We will see you next week on Building Solid Foundations Radio.
6: NBC News Radio, I'm Lisa Taylor. Former President Trump will not be present at his civil fraud trial today. He's back in Florida after attending the first three days of the trial in New York City. New York Attorney General Letitia James accuses Trump and his family of inflating Trump's net worth, leading him to getting better loan deals. Republican House members are reportedly reaching out to the former president to serve as interim speaker Natalie Migliori has more.
5: Like everything else in New York, people don't agree on whether making Trump speaker is the right choice.
6: I'm all
2: for it, because what they're doing to him in criminal court is a crime. McCarthy's a Democratic punk.
9: Donald Trump being the speaker is absurd.
5: Trump isn't even a serious contender, since the Republican House conference rules prohibit anyone charged with a felony from serving in leadership. Amid mounting legal issues, Trump has said he's focused on winning back the presidency.
6: It's now day twenty of the United Auto Workers strike. It comes as 400 more Ford workers in Michigan are being told not to report to work today. Last week, UAW President Sean Fain said Ford and GM were refusing to make any meaningful progress at the table. Embattled New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez is confirming his wife killed a man in a 2018 crash. Menendez and his wife, Nadine Arslanian, who are facing federal bribery charges, say Arslanian struck and killed a pedestrian five years ago. She was never charged, with police finding she was not at fault because the victim was jaywalking. The Biden administration is waiving federal laws to allow border wall construction in Texas. The Department of Homeland Security announced the administration is waiving laws such as the Clean Air Act and Endangered Species Act for wall construction in Starr County, Texas, due to high illegal entry. The move comes as a surge of migrants is straining federal and local resources. DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said there's an immediate need to construct physical barriers in the region to prevent unlawful entries in the U.S. There's still no winner of the Powerball jackpot. Saturday night's top prize is now $1.4 billion. You're listening to the latest on NBC News Radio.
1: K.C.A.A.
0: Jackson's estate settling a million dollar legal dispute. The estate claims a man named Jeffrey Phillips allegedly stole a million dollars worth of property from his California home in the chaos after the singer's death in 2009. The estate says Phillips took hard drives that may contain unreleased performances and concert footage, as well as laptops, iPods, DVDs, and more. It was announced this week both parties have reached an agreement in court that terms of the settlement have not yet been released, but the estate has been asking the judge to help return the property. Oh, yeah, no. The woman who brought Lady Gaga's stolen dogs to a Los Angeles police station is officially not getting the half-million-dollar reward. The singer promised the reward after her French Bulldogs were stolen from her dog walker in 2021. The dog walker was shot in the robbery. This week, a judge ruled the woman who returned the dogs had, quote, unclean hands, and she isn't entitled to the reward money. The woman claimed she was trying to protect the dogs, but she also admitted to knowing they were stolen property when she got them and the head writers of The Drew Barrymore Show are quitting. This week it was reported that the trio of head writers working on the show before the writers' strike have all turned down offers to return now that the strike's over. Barrymore faced backlash this month after announcing the taping of her show would resume during the strike, a decision she later reversed and for which she apologized. It's unclear whether the loss of the show's key writers will postpone its official return date of October 16th. That's entertainment. I'm Liz Warner, NBC News Radio.
9: Break out the brooms as a wild card round ended in four sweeps. Diamondbacks with a four-run sixth knocked out the Brewers to advance to their first NLDS since 2017. Bryson Stott smacked a grand slam in the sixth. Phillies beat the Marlins, set up a rematch of last season's NLDS against the Braves over in the American League. Sonny Gray tossed five scoreless as the Twins shut out the Blue Jays to advance in the playoffs for the first time in 21 years. Rangers beat the Rays to win their first postseason series since 2011. The divisional series round begins on Saturday. Commanders will take on the winless Bears tonight in D.C. to kick off Week 5. Bears head coach Matt Eberflus insists he feels support despite riding a franchise record 14-game losing streak. That's sports. I'm Ron Moss, NBC News Radio
5: announcing the grand opening of the brand new Habitat for Humanity Restore in Redlands. What is Restore? It's a home improvement store and retail center that sells donated furniture, home accessories, building materials, and appliances at a fraction of the retail price. Habitat for Humanity uses funds raised by its Restores to help deserving families build, rehabilitate, and repair their homes. You'll find unique and high-quality items such as furniture from major retailers, HVAC filters, canister lighting, and more. Habitat Restores rely on generous donations to help them create home ownership opportunities. The new Restore is located at 1392 Industrial Park Avenue in Redlands. Restore is open Wednesdays through Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Restore in Redlands, restoring lives.
7: The first thing you're going to have to learn is that until you stop expecting our politicians or anyone else to change your life, your life isn't going to change. The only person going to change your life is you, but you need to know how.
2: Want to learn how? Meet Dell Womsley's Lifestyles Unlimited team and get your map to retirement in five years or less. Saturday and Sunday, October 21st and 22nd, Hyatt-centric Mountain View. Go to GiveMeTotalFreedom.com. That's GiveMeTotalFreedom.com. Limited seating, unlimited potential. Register now at GiveMeTotalFreedom.com. Are you underpaid and overworked? Is a living wage and employee benefits like affordable health care more of a dream than a reality for you and your family? If so, it's time to form a union. Don't be denied the wages and benefits you deserve. Come together in a union with the power of numbers. A union is not a privilege. It's your right, and it will make a difference. Contact Teamsters Local 1932, a powerful and successful labor union in San Bernardino, by visiting teamsters1932.org organize to start today.
7: Redlands Ranch Market is a unique full-service international grocery store that specializes in authentic food items from Mexico, India, and from many Mediterranean and Asian countries, including popular items from the U.S. They offer fresh baked items from their in-house bakery, house made tortillas from their tortilleria, a delicious array of prepared Mexican foods, a terrific fresh fruit and juice bar, and a large selection of meats, seafoods, and deli sandwiches, salads, and halal meats. Their produce department is stocked full with fresh local and hard to find international fruits and vegetables that you cannot find anywhere else. Don't forget to stop into the massive beer cave and experience the largest selection of domestic artisan and imported beers in the IE. They can also cater your next event with one of the delicious takeout catering trays of food. Visit them at redlandsranchmarket.com. That's redlandsranchmarket.com. Redlands Ranch Market, a unique and fun shopping destination.
8: Could you use a little extra money right now? If you'd like to borrow up to $100,000 and get pre-approved in minutes, call the number we'll give you at the end of this commercial. Our lending partners have already loaned millions of dollars to individuals just like you, and we're ready to lend you up to $100,000 if you qualify, even if your credit is not perfect. You could use the money to pay off high-interest credit cards for home renovations or consolidate existing debt. You can get flexible, easy-to-pay terms. A consultation to find out if you qualify is free. To find out if you qualify for our special financing program, call this toll-free number 24 hours a day. 800-215-0703. 800-215-0703. 800-215-0703. That's 800-215-0703. Important terms and conditions apply. Not all applicants will qualify. Loan amount, annual percentage rate, and term will vary depending on credit worthiness. Applying does not guarantee approval. Account approval is subject to verification and confirmation of your credit history and acceptance by a lender. If you choose to apply for a loan through us, a consumer report will be obtained to evaluate your credit worthiness in connection with your application
2: for credit the staff and families at yard house of Temecula takes this time out to recognize and salute the local men and women in uniform standing tall for our political and economic freedom around the world let's always remember them in our thoughts and prayers their efforts abroad and our support has kept america strong this message courtesy of your good friends at yard house of Temecula at 40770 winchester road in Temecula they're always working to keep our community moving in a positive direction
1: KCAA Loma Linda. (laughs) The Legacy KCAA 1050 AM and Express
8: 106.5 FM. NBC News Radio. I'm Brian Shook. The Biden administration.